Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. Well, hello again. As most of you will know, many of you will know, we are in a series. We just started last week, and so this is actually the middle week, uh, in a series called This Then, which is a series on how to pray. And I was excited about the Colossians series, and man, I, I really appreciated it. I loved it. It was cool digging in. But I, I was excited about getting to this series, too. And as I, we get into this series, I just think to myself, man, this is such an awesome topic, the idea of prayer. And I am really praying and trusting that God is going to significantly use it in our lives uh, here at FBC and that we're going to move forward. And, and Ryan kicked it off great last week, um, and I hope we can continue with that same kind of momentum this morning. But as we get going this morning, what I want to do is I want to do something a little bit different. I'm going to actually ask that we take a moment and that right now that you would bow your heads and that you would ask God to bring to your mind three people that don't know Him yet. Three people that don't have a personal relationship with Jesus don't, don't just try and think of them on your own. Don't try and, try and come up with those names, because we can all think of names. But would you just take a moment now, bow your heads, and ask God to place on your heart three people that He wants to point you to, direct you to, that don't know Him yet. I'm going to give you some time to do that, and in a few moments, then I'm going to pray, and then we'll carry on and continue. Father God, thank you for your presence here with us this morning. Thank you that you are alive and that you are actively working in our lives. That as we turn to you and as we seek you out, that you come alongside of us, that you guide and direct us, and that you will lead us forward. This morning, God, I would pray that you would help us to understand you a little bit better today in this area of prayer, that you would help us to refine our lives that we would be able to pray as we've been taught and that as we pray that we, we would then live accordingly. And so to that end, again, I would ask that by your Spirit that you would come this morning and that you would work. That you would help us to understand. That you would give us guidance that we would know is from you. And that you would then help us to pursue that in our lives. I ask these things again for your son's sake and in his name. Amen. Okay, our text this morning is fairly long and involved. Matthew chapter 6, verses 10 and 11. So we're going to turn there. As you're turning there, you'll recall from last week that Ryan led into this. He opened the series, and he 
pointed out that this is a section in Scripture where Jesus comes along and he's talking to his disciples and he's teaching them how to pray. He starts with how not to pray, what not to do. And then he moves into what we should do in prayer. And as Ryan unpacked it last week, verse 9 tells us that we should begin by acknowledging God, that he is the only one that we pray to. And that then we should move into a time of worship, that worship should be foundational to our prayer, that we would focus on God and who he is, and that that would then establish the foundation from which that we go forward as we pray. And I would really encourage you, if you weren't here for that, if you missed it, go back and check out Ryan's message from last week. It is well worth the time and energy to go back and listen to what Ryan had to say. It would be of value to you. So we begin by acknowledging God, giving him our utmost respect. And that brings us then to verse 10, which says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, as we come to verse 10, we need to understand that Jesus hasn't really shifted gears here a whole bunch. He's been talking about praising God, worshiping Him, and now He says we should move into what is the sort of the natural progression of our worship for God. We start by acknowledging God's wisdom, his, the characteristics of God, His attributes. Uh, so His wisdom, His goodness, His love, His power, and then in light of who he is, it follows that we would pray for the extension, the expansion of his plan and the, the arrival of his dominion over everything. So from worship of who he is into then praying that his plan would be accomplished. In essence then, that God's values, his principles, his priorities... His perspective, the truth, would come. In short, that God himself would prevail over all things that stand against him. And that he would bring about the culmination of his plan to resolve the issue of sin on both a physical and a spiritual level and return things to the way that he intended them from the start. Now, I say that it's the natural extension of our worship for God in that it follows that if we worship God, if we believe who He is and acknowledge those things as we begin to pray, that then we would naturally believe in and subscribe to His plan for us and for the world around us. That we would subscribe to and endorse what God is working towards in our lives. But not just subscribe to them. Not just endorse them. As in, yeah, they're good, I agree, wonderful. And sign off on them. But that we would actually desire those things in our lives. We would desire His working, His plan to be fulfilled in our lives, and that we would desire to fulfill His plan in and through us in the world around us. 
But why is it that here we so often go off the rails? We acknowledge God. Sure, okay. We believe that he's there. And we pay at least cursory respect to his attributes, his characteristics. We know that he is loving, that he's all-powerful, that he's everywhere, that he has our best interests at heart, things like that. We, we'll pay cursory respect to that. And we may even pay token acknowledgement of our desire that someday, that someday his kingdom would come, that he would return, and that we would be able to go with him to heaven. But then we take this hard left turn after that, and we dive into our will. We dive into our desires, our plans, the things that we want. And, and that's the end of our acknowledgement of His plan. As we get fixated on the things that we're all about, that we're pursuing for our lives. Why is that? Why is it that we can start by acknowledging God, recognizing that He is so far above us, and then in such short order, we can be all about us and not about Him at all? Well, I think there's any number of reasons. But I think that there's a few that stand out or that categorically sort of encompass a lot of other reasons underneath them. I think that oftentimes we're not convinced that God's will is best for us, that His plan isn't going to be in our best interests. That somehow, if we subscribe to His agenda, that we're going to be sold short. That we're going to miss out. And we can't, we can't go there. That would not be good. Or we even think that somehow His plan might be detrimental to us. That if I was to ask him to fulfill his plan in my life, that I might wind up in Botswana, the, the slums of Soweto or something or other like that, and, and I don't want to go there. And so we hold him at bay in that respect. And I definitely think that we often don't subscribe to God's will because we consider ourselves as the authorities of ourselves. That we think that we know all about ourselves. That we are the resident authority. And that we're very adept at being able to decide what is good for us. What will bring us satisfaction and fulfillment. And as a result then we take the time to let God in on that. That we focus on that perspective. Just letting Him know what we've decided about what we think we should be doing, what we need for Him to accomplish in our lives as we see it. And this morning, we need to understand that that's categorically false in every respect. Any, any excuse that we dream up to be following our 
perspective and desires over God's perspective and desires, our plan over his plan is false. And the rationale that we give ourselves to do that are nothing more than lies. Lies that we've either been sold by the world around us or lies that we are so adept at telling ourselves and convincing ourselves of. And therefore, if we want to have success this morning, if we want to have, see progress in moving forward in our lives and God moving forward with his plan, we need to learn to subscribe more to his plan, which means that we have to bring ourselves into the proper perspective in three ways that I'm going to suggest this morning. Number one, we need the proper perspective of God. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. This morning, we have to make sure that we have the proper perspective of God, which is to say that when God began working in us and when he brought us into the saving knowledge of his son, Jesus Christ, where we placed our faith in him, that at that point that he began this good work in us and that it is a good work. But note that it was that he began it there. He didn't finish it there. He began it. And he is now waiting to carry that on, to, to play it out, to bring it to its full fruition in our lives. And so as a result of that, that we need to subscribe to that good work that he's doing, his will in our lives, his will for us. And that when we don't, that we preempt that from happening. We circumvent that good work that he is doing. Thinking that we're doing better, that we're going to do it all right on ourselves for ourselves. But in actuality, then, we detour and derail God's work in our lives towards that good work that he is going to complete one day in its entirety when we meet Christ face to face. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Not to say that he will give us everything that we want, but that he will give us what is best for us in every case, without limit. And it follows, doesn't it? That if God would give his only son what is most precious on our behalf, that he started with that gift at the very beginning, I'm going to give you what you need the very, very most and what is most precious to me for, the, for your good. Then why would we ever doubt? Why would we question that he won't give us what else we need to accomplish the good work that he started with his son, through his son, his most precious gift to us? Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And again we see that this is for our good. For our good. 
What he started, he wants to continue. That he won't withhold anything that we need to accomplish that plan. And that it is for our good. Every step of the way, in every respect, every time. And Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than, we, than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Which is to say again, that he has the capacity to accomplish that plan. That we don't have to doubt that, that we don't have to be suspect of it. He can accomplish it. There is no question. So this morning, we need to bring our perspective of God into line with who he is and what he can do and then rest on that stand on it as foundational never doubt it lean in and subscribe to who he is but it doesn't end there number two we need proper perspective of ourselves we need we need to make sure that we have the proper perspective of ourselves. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? This morning, church family, we need to understand that we can't trust ourselves. That as we do the math in our own lives, that oftentimes we are going to come up with the wrong answers because we cannot be trusted. Our hearts are deceitfully wicked. And we've got this ability to do things, to tell ourselves rational lives, rational lies. That's what we do when we rationalize, Rick Warren says. I love that. When we rationalize, we tell ourselves rational lies. And we convince ourselves that what we know is best and that what we have in mind is what is the, the most de uh, desired of all alternatives. And we fixate on those things and we go after them. And when in fact we have maybe deluded ourselves, lied to ourselves and have derailed what is really best for us in our lives, thinking that we know best. Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6 say this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. We hear that a lot. Sometimes, though, we need to go a little bit further to verse 7, which says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. So oftentimes we say, oh yeah, I, I, I acknowledge you, God. Please direct my paths. And then in our own wisdom, we decide what that looks like. That we start to lay out those paths. Make my path straight, God. Help me to accomplish this. But we need to stop there. We need to stop and say, Lord, I acknowledge you. Please show me my path. And I'm not going to lean on my own wisdom. I've got some ideas about that. I've got some thoughts on that. But I defer to you today. You order my paths. I'm not even going to suggest what that looks like. I'm going to allow you to provide that for me. Now, I want to park here a little bit longer this morning because if you're like me, when it comes to this whole idea of 
understanding myself and, and putting myself in proper perspective, this is where I struggle. I don't know if you're like me or not. I'm going to su- suspect that there are at least some of you that are. Because I do want to believe that I'm an authority on myself. I had kids, and I recognized I wasn't nearly as much of an authority as I thought I was on a lot of things in life. But I, man, for a long time, I still held on to the idea that I was at least an authority on me. And that I know how I tick, and I know what makes my bell ring and stuff like that. But I found out I was wrong even on that count, that God even knows me better than I know myself. And that as I subscribe to what he wants in my life, then things open up and I understand life in a whole new context. So this this morning, uh, I would like to encourage you to do something. I'd like to, to encourage you to go home and think about the things that you are praying to God about, the things that you are asking him for today. Just go home this afternoon and think about those things. As you take stock of what you've talked to God about and what you're praying for in your life, see what those things are. And then dig a little deeper. And see if there isn't something really below that, underneath the surface of that, that is prompting you, that that is pushing you to pray for the things that you are praying for. So often I think the things that we pray for are really only attempts to solve the problems that we haven't taken the time to properly diagnose in our lives. Our prayer requests are our attempts to solve the problems that we really haven't identified for ourselves. And so... We sense a need and we have a knee-jerk reaction to that as we go to God in prayer and saying, oh, I've got this need, God. Please solve this problem for me with this, with this answer, with this solution. So for example, we go to God and we say, please, Lord, would you give me a girlfriend or a boyfriend? Would you bring me a wife or a husband? Because we want to have a family and we want companionship. We don't want to be lonely. And so we sense that need. And we see that solution. But if we were to take a little bit more time and look at it, we might find that actually what we're looking for is acceptance and affirmation. Because underneath it all, we have an insecurity about who we are. And so Instead of going to God with what is at the root of the problem, what do, or going to God with the, a proper diagnosis of what we need, we detour and derail it before we ever get down to the heart of the matter by starting to address the things that we think are going to solve it on that surface level. We start to ask God for things. Please, Lord, would you give us the ability to buy another car? We'd, We'd really like to upgrade our house. I'd, I'd really love to have that promotion at work. Because that would make our lives better. That would help us on so many different levels, and we list them all for God. But perhaps underneath that, 
What we're really looking for is the things that would, in our minds at least, make us look important and successful in the eyes of the world around us. Because we've got a poor self-image. And we don't want people to think of us the way that we sometimes see ourselves. And then what happens is we wonder why God doesn't answer our prayers. Lord, I've been praying for these things for, for, for days, for weeks, for months, for years. And God's looking at us and he's saying, but, but dude, Doug, if I were to give you what you're asking for, it wouldn't address the heart of what the issue is. It wouldn't help you. It wouldn't solve your problems. It, it would actually probably just exacerbate them. I don't want to do that. I want to give you what's good for you. What is going to address those needs. What's going to help you to understand your life better and bring you the satisfaction and joy and fulfillment that you're really looking for. Now, while we're here, I want to just sidebar and look at verse 11. As we're talking about our petitions to God. Let's look at verse 11, which addresses that. It says, give us today our daily bread. And I'm not going to spend a bunch of time here this morning. We'll rock it through this fairly quickly, and then we'll come back to the last point that I have in regard to pursuing God's will in our lives. Give us today our daily bread. Jesus gives us some real insight here into how do we bring our petitions to God, what our petitions should be as we come to God. So the first thing this morning is Christ indicates that it is all right for us to bring our petitions to God. God wants to hear about the things that we are looking for in our lives, our needs. So that's fine. We can pray for things like safety and travel or for God to intervene in our health situations and even for, us to help, help, for him to help us find our keys when we lose them. I'm praying that one more often than not nowadays, it seems like. But God's giving us some clues here about this whole area. First of all, he says, bring to me your daily requests. Ask for your daily requirements. When so often in our lives, we come asking for a lifetime supply. God, would you, would you show up and... And grant me the seven right numbers in the Powerball lottery so that somehow I would be able to secure that $94 million that would hopefully help me get through life. God asks us to pursue Him daily because He wants us to trust Him daily. We tend to get so far ahead of ourselves, and in so doing, then we, that takes us away from Him. We begin to trust in the things that we're trying to accumulate, or that we're trying to resolve, rather than going to Him for what we need daily. There's an obvious parallel here to God's provision of manna to the Israelites, to the children of Israel back in the Old Testament. 
where God came along and said, I will give you this every day, but you can only take what's, what you need for today. Other than the Sabbath, when they were allowed to accumulate for two days. And then faithfully, for 40 years, day by day by day by day, he provided for them everything that they needed. And the lesson there for us, what we need to understand is that God is faithful. That we don't have to store up for ourselves. That it isn't on our shoulders. Yes, we've got to be wise. But God wants us to trust Him and come to Him for what we need day after day. He's trustworthy, and that hasn't changed. Secondly, he tells us to pray for our needs, not just a list of our wants. And we're adept at getting that confused, at being able to somehow parlay all our wants into needs. So just quickly on that point, if your shopping list to God is growing, if it's going from bread to caviar, that's a clue. Take a step back and assess, are these really my needs or are, am I drifting now into wants? Creature comforts beyond the necessities. Not that God is a miser or a slumlord. It's not that. He loves to give good gifts to his kids. But the more that we start to fixate on those and help him to understand what those things are, then chances are the more likely we're getting off track. Thirdly, as Ryan pointed out last week, notice here again the corporate nature of the prayer that Jesus is leading us into. Give us this day our daily bread. And it seems to me that this is an indication that we should be concerned every bit as much about the needs of those around us as we are our own needs for ourselves. That we need to be looking around. And be watching for the needs of others, just as we're watching for our own. So the more that our prayers start to talk about the things that we need, that is specific to us, can be, again, a clue that we're getting overly fixated on ourselves when God is calling us to be asking for the needs of those around us. If your prayers are starting to make you stand out from the crowd. Which is to say, if you are praying for things that will make you stand out from those around you, there's a clue. If we want more than the other guy, if we have desires that would set us apart from those around us in terms of what we have, maybe we have to t stop and take a look at those things. Okay, lastly, quickly. 
We need the proper perspective of God's will as we come back to, to verse 10. John 6 verse 38 says, and this is Jesus speaking, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Christ himself set as his agenda doing the will of God. And in him we find our model. He's the one that we follow. And therefore we should do the same. That we would set our objective as doing the will of God. That that should be our biggest priority. Not figuring out and doing our own will, but doing God's will. Following him. And John 4.34 says this, My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Christ comes along and says, My food is to do the will of the Father and to complete his work. That's the way that we should see God's will in our lives, as the very food that we live on. That we would be so dedicated and, and focused on that that we would understand it as the sustenance of life for us. And that we would pursue it as that. That fun, fun, fundamentally, that foundationally in our hearts and our minds. That we would be pursuing His will. Because it makes sense, doesn't it? That we would want God's kingdom to come. That we would want him to bring about the resolution of the struggles that we have with sin and all of the junk that we have to endure in life that goes with that. We should be longing for that to happen. Please, God, bring about your kingdom. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, and accomplish these things. So that we can have the full extent of what he's intended for us from the very beginning. That we could get off of this detour through sin and junk and onto his agenda of paradise. But notice also, don't miss that it is not just for one day that we're praying. Oh, for sure we are. We're asking for the, God's kingdom to come in its entirety for sure. But here's the thing. As I pursue the will of God in my life, the kingdom of God arrives in my world personally. That I begin to experience what we will one day understand in full now. That God comes into my world and that we begin to understand the benefits of knowing and following Him as He leads us even now into the goodness that He's intended for us from the very beginning. And conversely today, we need to understand that the kingdom of God only arrives as I submit my will to Him. Only. It's the only way it works. I have to lay down my will to God in order for His will to come in my life. To that end, we need to pray for His will to be done. And that must become our prayer. God, Your will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. God, your will be done in my life today as it is in heaven. This morning now, is that the extent of praying the will of God in our lives? A one-liner? God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Absolutely not. And the fact is that we don't have time to go into all the ways that we need to be praying the will of God in our lives this morning. It is. We, like, we get, Ryan and I talk about these messages, and we sit there and we think, okay, well, let's try and tackle that in three weeks. Inevitably, we get here and we think, what were we thinking? Three weeks. It's crazy. And we're constantly the tension of trying to get in as many topics that are significant for our lives as possible in the course of those limited Sundays that we've got. So no, the answer is, is that it isn't a one-liner. There's lots of things to, prayer, to pray about. But we've got what we hope is going to be of significant value coming for you next week in the form of a prayer guide that's going to unpack this with a whole bunch more scripture in terms of how we can be praying the will of God in our lives. And I'm not going to go into it all. I'm going to go into two things very, very quickly. There's different ways that we can pray the will of God, but there's two overarching categories. The first one is we find from Romans 8:29, For those God foreknew, he pre- also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. John Stott submits, and I agree, that God's overall intention, his overall purpose in our lives as we commit our lives to his son, Jesus Christ, is to then conform us to the image of Jesus. That that's his overall objective, is to make us into what his son looks like, who his son is. And so we need to be praying that in our lives and in the lives of our fellow believers, that we would be coming more like Jesus that we would be becoming more like Jesus. And there's all kinds of different ways that we can actually ask for that to be accomplished. Laid out in Scripture. You'll find those references in your guide next week. Don't miss out. Come get that guide. Secondly, the other category that we need to be always praying for the will of God in is in the lives of those that don't know Him yet. We need to be asking for God's will to be done in the lives of the people that are not followers of Jesus yet. 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And here we find that God's will is that everyone would come to repentance. That everyone would come to know Him. So when we pray for that to happen, we are praying in God's will. Some of you have heard the question asked, if God were to grant all your prayers that you've prayed over the course of this last month, how many people would come to know Him? If you look back at your life over the course of this last month, And God said, I'm going to grant them all. How many people would come to know Him because of the prayers that you've prayed to God? This morning, as maybe you've seen coming, we're going to do something. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward, and they are going to give you a little card. And on that card, what I'm asking you to do is write down the names of those three people that God impressed on your heart earlier. I want you to 
to write them down and to commit to praying for them. That you would make that a regular part of your day. That these people that don't know him yet, that they would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior because of what we know is at stake. And then once you've done that, if you're willing, I would ask that you would come down and put those names in these baskets. Please don't write down last names unless you're really confident. It's not that they're going to be seen or anything like that anyway, but if you would put those names in these baskets at the front, then we as a staff are going to take them and we're going to pray with you concerning those people, that they would come to know, to know Jesus. So you can just put down a first name, a first name and a last initial if you want, something like that. And if you're willing, that you would come forward and that you would just drop them in these baskets here. And don't worry, in your guide next week, there's going to be a very similar card. It's a very similar place where you can start to write down the names of the people that you're praying for. So you don't need to remember this or take this with you today. The band's going to play this last song. And as we do, you can drop these things in the, in the baskets. If it's hard for you to get to the front, you can do it afterwards or hand it to me, hand it to one of the other staff, hand it to an usher, they'll get it to us. I'm going to let you do that now as the team plays. And then as you finish, as you drop them off, then you can come back and sing with us. Let's pray one more time. Father, today again, because of who you are, God, I pray that you would take these names now that we've brought before you and that you would be at work in their lives and that you would reveal yourself to each one of these people that you've impressed upon our hearts, our minds today. God, would you remove the scales from their eyes? Would you grant them the ability to see their need for you and your son Jesus Christ today and go with us now God be with each one of us help us to accomplish your will that we would know it that we would do it and that we would benefit from it and the world around us too as we bring about your kingdom as you work in and through us and to that end again I pray for Jesus sake amen thanks for being here it's Ryan's birthday today. Tell him how old he is, how old he looks, and then we look forward to seeing you tonight. <laughs>